0: What's up, this is Matt Franco.
1: And this is Eric Dittleman. Welcome to Mind Over Magic.
0: Episode 65, buddy, here we are.
1: Here we are, 65 episodes later. We're still going strong. Uh, I'm in New York, you're in Vegas. Thanks for listening, all of you people tuning in. Uh, We got a lot on the docket today. And we're recording a little early just because we got a busy week coming up. So um so you're going to hear about it like the first half of our weeks this week and then we'll play catch up on the next episode for if anything major happened. <laughs> major know.
0: things are happening. Yeah. Major things are happening, which is good.
1: But this will still come out at this normal time. Just a, a lot's going to happen between now and then. But uh how's Vegas, Matt? What's going on with you? Let's do a catch up of your abridged week.
0: <laughs> Vegas is good. Shows are going well. I had a crazy um, circumstance where this was just a couple nights ago. I don't know if you've ever had a situation where, like, you have an inner dialogue in your head going during the show mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with what you're actually verbally saying, but your inner dialogue is totally separate.
1: So, but it's not like disassociating so much of, like, well, where am I going to go eat after the show or, like, <laughs> no, it's related to what was okay, happening good. in the room. Right, right,
0: right. So, so what was happening? I I walk out on stage and I think to myself, oh, I recognize this person in the front row. Why, where do I know him from? Right. Mm-hmm. And then about uh, just a little of the ways through, uh, maybe I'm 15 minutes into the show or 10 minutes into the show. I go, oh my gosh, this is this is Derek Carr from the Raiders, the quarterback of the now Las Vegas right, Raiders.
1: Right, local celebrity now.
0: But I'm thinking <laughs> well, to well, myself, national
1: celebrity too, but yeah, like more local celebrity.
0: But I'm thinking to myself, they're playing the Dolphins tomorrow. So this was the first show on Saturday night. Gotcha. There's no way why is he at a magic show at seven PM the night before an NFL game? It makes absolutely no sense.
1: Right. You'd think that you'd be resting, getting ready, you know, getting in the mental state to perform.
0: Yeah, and he's got a drink in his hand, but it's like (laughs) could be but it could be water. It's clear. Sure. And he and I see a water bottle, I'm like oh this is him like and he also I don't know if you know Derek Carr but he has a very unique look where like Well, first of all, he's an NFL player. He's huge, but like he kind of like almost looks like he's wearing eyeliner all the time. But it's just the way his eyes look. Sure. Yeah. And this was him. And I was like, okay. So I, I, during music blares up during a climax, and my I know my mic is going to be muted, so only the crew can hear me. And I say, Derek Carr sitting in the front row. Check it out. Let me know if it's him, because I know my (laughs) brother. My brother will hear that, and he knows sports, you know, much better than I do. And (laughs) so when I go backstage during a video interlude, he goes, Hey, yeah, yeah, it can't be him. The guy has a drink in his hand and they have a game tomorrow. It's just not possible. I was like, no, Tim. Right. <laughs> right. Right. So, and, and he goes, why don't you just get his name? Sure. So I, I, so now during the second half of the show, I do a bit where I'm just going to hand, I'm not going to involve this person in the show, but I'm just going to hand them something. Mm-hmm. And I say, what's your name? Yeah. And, uh, Normally I use like a younger person for this, like a kid ideally, but I just right. say, right, I got to figure this out. So I say, Hey, what's your name? Hesitates. He hesitates and goes, uh, Mike. Right now. Right. Now, next time I mute myself, I go, Oh, it's definitely him. He hesitated and then gave a fake name. He just didn't <laughs> want to cause a scene. Right. <laughs> so yeah. like it's, and when I hand him the thing, his grip was insane i was like this is a hundred percent a professional athlete i'm talking to ted ted always recognizes the athletes he's going this is yeah he's like i it, it's got to be him right right then mid-show this guy goes to the bathroom and they check his ticket on the way in and his name really is mike oh interesting <laughs> it's not him so it, we know all right, it's definitely not him and uh, at the very end of the show i noticed he had a tattoo and sure enough, it really wasn't him. But I mean, this was the craziest doppelganger I've ever seen in my life. You
1: thought it was exactly him? Yeah, it just doesn't add up. All the all the signs, even though if they look like them, why would they be yeah. at your show for the night before they're playing football?
0: <laughs> uh, apparently, the other caveat was when he came out of the 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 bathroom. This person was definitely had been drinking.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so right. it really wasn't. But I mean, this guy was huge. Jacked, you know, the height of a quarterback looked just like him, but was not was not him
1: now. you are in Vegas, which is the home of uh, a a niche audience, like uh, a niche type of performance that happens like in Vegas, maybe Times Square. But, like, celebrity impersonators are a big thing. So do you think that this is like his gig now? Maybe he's <laughs> a Derek Carr impersonator. Just because there's like, oh, we need, you know, we need a Raiders events and we can't always get the quarterback if he's going to be, you know, playing the next day so we can hire this guy as a doppelganger to come in and, you know, kind of do that thing.
0: He, I don't know if he does that, but he could. I literally, I was like so flabbergasted by this. I was talking about it backstage for like another half hour afterwards. (laughs) I was like, we should have just brought him backstage and got a photo with him because everyone would have thought we had, (laughs) it was Derek Carr. (laughs) So yeah, it was, uh,
1: it was pretty crazy. See, I uh, don't think I would have fallen into that trap or been distracted at all because I don't think I would have even known what Derek Carr looked like to begin with. So. Well, I do because
0: the Raiders are now here; yeah, it's a big yeah, deal. Yeah, and 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 sometimes this sort of thing happens, right? There are mm-hmm. occasions where uh, we know there are certain high-profile people sure. that are coming and in, in the audience, and and then there are other times. Where we, we have no idea, and you know, either an usher recognizes them, or I recognize them, or someone you know, someone on our team notices it's them, and and that's how it goes from there. Sometimes they just come, you know, without anyone knowing, which also happened just a couple of days ago in the athlete realm. Another.
1: Uh, this was a real athlete this time. So it, was it was a real okay. one. Yeah,
0: this was. Uh, we had. I don't know. You don't follow basketball? A little bit. Carl Anthony Towns is like a. a Really great ball player, and he plays for the I think it's Minnesota Timberwolves. Is that I've the
1: I've heard of that team? So oh, there that, you that's go, a good,
0: <laughs> good sign. And it just became public, I think, like earlier this month, that he's dating. Uh, her name's Jordan Woods, and she's known from reality TV. She's has sort of an association with the uh, the Kardashians, I guess. And um, she gotcha. was on a show called Life of Kylie, which I think is Kylie Jenner. Yeah, that right? makes sense. Yeah, I don't know a lot about reality television. But um, that, that they, type
1: of reality television.
0: Yeah, Certain, I mean, these w- are,
1: competition shows a little bit more.
0: <laughs> what, what, yeah, right. Yeah. A little bit about some yeah. of the competition yeah, shows, yeah. right? Yeah. But um, yeah, so that was really cool. We're talking about people that. Um, you know, I wasn't expecting to be there and have uh, really high pro- high profile followings. I guess Carl had tried to come to the show before, had bought tickets and like couldn't make it. Something happened. So this was his second attempt to, to make it to the show. So it was really wonderful to have them. They hung out. They had a group of like 15 people. Wow. And they, they hung out afterwards and um, we chatted and everyone was really friendly and nice and uh, it was really cool. It's always nice to have like a little surprise like that. So then like two days later when Derek Carr was in the front row, I didn't think anything of it. I was like, Oh, now we're getting the quarterback. Look at us. And nope, it wasn't him. It wasn't him. Now but Mike, w- thank you for coming.
1: Yeah. Well, that's not, not uncommon <laughs> for, you know, uh, celebrities to use fake names. So, I mean, that was also like, could have been Eric. Been.
0: I, I, I winked at him when he said Mike, <laughs> I winked at him was like, Oh yeah, sure. Mike.
1: Now, when you have a basketball player, though, in the audience, I know you're kind of, they're easy to spot, right? They're very, very very tall. Now, do right. you ever feel bad for just the person sat behind them? <laughs> like right behind them? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Or people who wear big hats. You come during the rodeo, we have big oh, hats really? everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Um, mm-hmm.
1: Now, is there any protocol, like when you do have a celebrity that you either recognize in the crowd that you weren't aware of, or even the ones that are kind of like, ahead had a time, you know, are coming, do you in your show, I know some shows kind of acknowledge those people and have them stand and make a big ordeal. What's your approach when there's celebrities in the audience? Do you acknowledge them? Do you do you bring attention or you just treat them like normal people?
0: What a phenomenal question. I have a very strong opinion on it. Mm. And I've been to many shows and it's handled differently. Right. Um, I've been to shows <laughs> with you where you and I have both been <laughs> shouted out. Right? I was just
1: going to say, I, like when we went to the Carrot Top show, and not only were we pointed out, but he comes over and pours us shots.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about the defending the caveman. I forgot about the carrot top one as well.
1: <laughs> oh, I don't even remember our good friend Kevin. Did he point yeah. us out? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he oh, did. very he funny. Did. <laughs> right.
0: And I don't think we were expecting it either time.
1: No, we not didn't at know all. it no. was happening. Right.
0: Um, which I personally, like, look, I don't mind it if I'm in the audience and that happens. I, mm. I really don't have an issue with it. Um, well, it's I advertising,
1: prefer- right? Because if yeah. they're especially for you as a Vegas headliner, if they're like Matt Franco, magicians here, like you should just l- make them also say you could get tickets at the link. <laughs> you, you're already in the demographic of people who will, like to go to shows. You might as well exactly. go to his show. Yeah,
0: <laughs> right. You're at a theater full of people that are showgoers, and <laughs> yeah. maybe have nothing to do later on in their week here. Exactly. In Vegas, so,
1: so that's um, a benefit at least.
0: <laughs> yeah, like it's one of those things. It's funny because it doesn't particularly bother me if it happens to me. Mm-hmm. Yet I have a huge huge pet peeve that I will never just like call attention to someone in the room without them. Well, first of all, I usually, unless I think that they would like that and appreciate that and want that. Um, Mm -hmm. I, Mm -hmm. I always assume my default is they are just having a night out and don't want to be the center of attention. Now that's not always correct. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, my thing is I don't call attention generally to the fact that, um, someone of note is in the room. There are exceptions to it um but i i don't believe i've ever called attention to someone without them knowing i was going to do it
1: gotcha oh that's a good way to approach it and do you just have like someone from your staff being like well matt's gonna give you a, or do you talk to them beforehand sometimes yeah in the like it, room, it, or, it, yeah.
0: yeah maybe if they're hanging out beforehand i'll i'll mention it or if it's someone i know you know i'll communicate mm-hmm. it on the phone whether it be maybe they call ahead of time or, if, or if I, a text message or something of like you know, if I'm going to do that, but more often than not, my default is to like, not call attention to it.
1: All right. I'm going to pitch you a bit. You can do if you want to do this. Uh, if not, I'll take it for myself. Uh, but how about pointing out someone who's not a celebrity and treating them like a celebrity and getting them to stand up in the show and be like, thank you so much for coming and getting the whole audience to be like, Oh, who's this guy? That's a a funny idea. People would get behind it. Yeah. People
0: would get behind it too.
1: I mean, I'm just thinking about like our past conversations about like the, the faking the influencer thing. There's so many influencers, no one's going to know regardless. And just, I think oh, it would right. be funny to even just like go for the person who looks least like they would be a celebrity, per se. You know, <laughs> like some grandpa who's like got his arms crossed, doesn't want to be part of the show, and be like, I can't believe you're here. And just like get them to stand up.
0: <laughs> right, right. Tell there everyone your name. Chance. Yeah. <laughs> there is a chance that people would take photos with that person after the show on the way out. Isn't that funny? How amazing would that be? (laughs) (laughs) It's very possible.
1: (laughs) Well, that sounds great, man. It sounds like you're getting a lot of people like Vegas is back and the celebrities are coming back to your show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, People are coming
0: out. Great, man. What's going on? I saw you did a a big family weekend. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. I was just in uh, uh, Loyola in Maryland and it was like a giant gym show, but like, that stereotype of gym shows we've talked about here on the podcast of like the, the sound being too reverberant and like it's hard to kind of work in those rooms. They had a whole tech set up and it was like, you know, they dampened the floor. They had stuff over the um, like the, 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 the I guess the gym. What, what's that called? The parquet or the or the whatever the court is. <laughs> And they mm-hmm. just to kind of dampen that sound more and they had like That's cool. curtains and screens and uh, they pulled the, the bleachers out, too. So not only was there like um, uh, seating right in front on the ground, but like people could sit up in the bleachers on the side, too. Uh, so it was kind of like three quarters all the way around, which was nice.
0: Well, family weekends are important. They tend to be bigger budget events at these colleges, all relative to whatever school it is. But those tend to be the bigger budget events.
1: Right. And And it is a little bit different now in COVID times, too. Like, they're not doing as many events, but it's usually, like, a jam-packed full of, you know, you got, you know, whatever sporting event everyone can go to. And then, like, uh, you know, picnics or barbecues and get-togethers. Attendance is huge. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You
0: know, it's, uh, it's, uh, those are fun events to play, but it's different than a regular college show because you will have children.
1: Yeah. There's, uh, there wasn't too many children. There's
0: a few, um, but mostly parents.
1: Yeah. But you played to that more family audience. So you might, you know, watch some of the jokes you might say. Like they're very cautious about, the, the content of the show more so than if it was just like a normal college any day event kind of idea. Big
0: difference. Yeah. Instead of everyone being like 18 to 22, now you, all of a sudden you have all of their parents there as well. Very different vibe. I, I used to find for sure.
1: Right. But you get a lot of uh, more interesting kind of um, approaches too and you get different reactions, and you know, some of the jokes that are a little older references that might be above the college students' heads, like, you're mm-hmm. getting laughter there because of the, the the parents that are there, and they're very welcoming, and I, I found, too, especially with, like, an AGT audience, it tend to be a lot of, like, the parents who watch that show, so right. they almost, there's a little bit more celebrity that happens there, it feels, uh, yeah. and, I, and I always do this gag where I ask people, like, who voted for me, because I'm going to follow it up with a self-deprecating joke, but, like, more hands than normal, you know, oh, go, nice. up, go up wow. in a family yep. crowd. So that was fun. Um, but, yeah, the other thing, too, is just uh, just kind of figuring out. Like, I had to adjust my material. Um, normally, if you follow me on social media, you know this this tour I've been doing, my uh, selfie Instagram effect. But then yes. realizing that that's very much geared in, for a specific age group who's all on Instagram, now that I have a family where – more, two thirds of the audience isn't going to be able to just jump on their phone and check out a reveal on Instagram. Right. I was like, that's going to lose the impact of that reveal. So I just cut that piece anyway. So okay. that's going to okay. be more geared towards a college crowd where everyone's on their phones and checking out that Instagram reveal. So. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's just kind of being aware of your audience and adapting uh, as well. The other thing was we had the giant screens where they had like a camera following me. Okay. Around which i've done in the past but it's always just kind of like oh we're just going to project the show so that people can um see it who are in the back but i know you work with screens so i was wondering if you had any tips or strategies or have you thought on like how to frame certain things like what are your whole thought processes about working with screens
0: well it's complicated um, this sounds like a situation where it was probably a fairly big room, so they literally eye magged everything. Yes, yeah. The whole show, and how big, do you know how big this was? How many people or anything, or?
1: Uh, you were asking the wrong person, but I think it was around 700, uh, you know, people.
0: Round tables, or rows, or?
1: Rows, uh, they, but the seats were socially distanced, so that it was kind of, like, spread oh, out Oh, so it yeah. felt, yeah, so it felt mm-hmm. like
0: 2,000. Right, exactly. You know what I mean, in terms of space, like, just distance. Exactly, yes. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Um, look, I mean, if it's a situation like that, I, I have got an event coming up that's got a couple thousand people and I believe they're at round tables. That's oh, going to feel fine. like 10,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the round um, tables
1: are already always interesting too, because you get, by definition, they're round. So half the audience is literally seated away, facing the other way Yeah, from just the facing stage. the wrong way. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, but like just spatially, it does spread things out a lot. Mm-hmm. You'd be surprised. Mm-hmm. So, um... I imagine that's gonna be the type of thing where everything is just imag And if it's a type of thing where everything's imag and you're just being brought in to perform your show, uh, generally they're providing the camera person and they're they're directing the whole thing. Like you're not really dictating how they're shooting anything.
1: Right, right. I I have one thing that I always give as a suggestion, but just because I know how it looks on screen, and that's during my blindfold act. And I just loved the framing AGT did when I did it on my audition mm-hmm. round. So mm-hmm. the one note I gave them was like, follow around, like if I turn a pad of paper around and do a reveal, like if you can zoom in just to make that clearer, that's mm-hmm. better. But it was like for the blindfold routine with my eyes duct taped and someone holding the drawing over my head. It's like I love that shot of just like kind of shoulders up so that it's nice and close and they can see my eyes are completely sealed and they can see the drawing over my head. I just like that
0: um, stage
1: picture. That's great that you give them that
0: note. Yeah um now I'm, i haven't really provided any helpful tips here yet but you'll notice which is interesting, like I've, I've only asked questions so far because the first thing i said is it's complicated and that's the truth now is a single camera or multi-camera
1: right this was one but okay in, and usually in the types of situations i'm gonna be in it's usually mm-hmm. just one kind of follow spot right <laughs> it's yep. like a spotlight operator but just with a camera pretty much yeah
0: R- right so like honestly, I don't really, I don't think I give a whole lot of direction. If I'm doing a situation where they're providing the camera and the operator, it usually means I'm doing a shorter set. Um, so I'm really not providing them with a whole lot of information. Now, if I'm doing a longer set, that means it's generally going to be my camera person.
1: You're right. Yeah. Yeah. That's
0: actually directing what those shots are now more complication. We have a robotic camera that we use on the road for example or for a corporate gig the where it's just set up like on a tripod somewhere or Mm. hanging somewhere it's rigged somewhere and it's actually controlled remotely by my operator
1: oh that's cool
0: (laughs) so like he can control sound and call lighting cues and also control that robotic camera from like a joystick or something i don't know i've never actually (laughs) done it um but like zoom in zoom out and control where it is um but also there are moments where we'll use a handheld
1: right 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 so you got someone coming out from the wings just in in and they're kind of steady camming it or in the house yeah or in the house you know
0: depending on what it is or where it is so like um it's really complicated and so case by case i don't have like a a solid formula for how i handle it on the road or or, or private events and things like that because each situation i find to be like unique um so it's really hard to like i wish i wish there was a more cookie cutter answer uh for it um i mean in vegas it's it's i have a a system
1: right i was gonna say it's (laughs) it's a whole different thing when you're on the road and kind of adapting to the room and you're not quite a hundred percent sure what even is possible in that room sometimes but now that you have you know your theater the matt franco theater and you can Mm -hmm. stay in one spot for a while how do you approach your camera work when you have complete control over the environment
0: that's a great question so when we first opened we had several robotic cameras kind of like the one that i use on the road and I recently realized we don't actually, we're not really using those to all of their capabilities. So we actually recently switched uh, during when we re the entire show and added some new pieces during the um, dark period with the pandemic. Uh, we actually replaced all those with static cameras because gotcha. the robotic use. Yeah. That's really cool and fun. And, but like what was the point? We were only really using static shots.
1: Yeah, if if it's locked down, it doesn't need the robotic capability.
0: <laughs> yeah, and like the robotic thing was awesome, but they weren't cameras that were particularly well suited for like theatrical environment that's like darker. So we replaced them with cameras that are um static camera shots and like it just ended up being a much more efficient use of, you know, you're not going to have to worry about it accidentally just doing like a rotation for no reason. Yeah. Before it comes on, you know?
1: (laughs) And I was going to say, as someone who loves technology and robots and so forth, it might be a good idea to replace them with those static cameras in case, like, Skynet ever takes place and they actually get a life of their own and start to try and take over your show. So that happens. one one reason (laughs) to get rid of robots.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I don't know exactly what Skynet is, but they do actually just have glitches sometimes where they just rotate, you know? I'll tell
1: you, it's from a very famous movie. Oh, what movie? With uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger.
0: Oh, is it Terminator? Yeah, there you go. Wow, okay. <laughs> and we're not even at the trivia part of our show yet. Uh, and I still got it.
1: <laughs> well, i <Bring. I'm> done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's great. That's uh, something to think about. And yeah, just especially like when you're in l- larger areas of just kind of being aware what the audience experience is throughout. I think that's so important.
0: Yeah, like when they're IMagging the whole thing, I don't worry too much about the shots. I love that you give a couple of like simple framing things that they can do. If they do, it's a great bonus, but it's not integral to your show. Um, but like with certain things that are specific, I do have to use my person because uh, there, there's pretty intense training in terms of like how to shoot close up magic. It's not just like show up and shoot it. It's right very specific of like n- not just for magic purposes, but also to communicate the story of what's happening um yeah. clearly and there, it's, shooting magic is just very different than shooting uh at pretty much everything else even even in television it's like oh if you're used to directing sitcoms and now uh, now you're gonna come in and i'm gonna do a magic thing you don't necessarily know that you're not supposed to cut away at this moment you, right.
1: Right. Right. There, right. There's
0: a, a moment now where you can't cut away because it ruins the magic and it is totally different than directing any other type of uh performance art, I believe.
1: Yeah. And it's always helpful when you have someone who actually knows your show and knows that story. Right. So that they can they, they're not interrupting that flow of what the audience is trying to get. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It might be important to explain this a little further, actually, like just to just to clarify, if. If the deck of cards is about to all turn blank and you cut away right before that happens, so I show all the cards are shuffled and then you cut away to show a reaction of a person and then you cut back to me. Yeah. Well, then now everyone at home just assumes, well, he just, he must have switched the decks when the camera cut away. Even <laughs> yeah. if that's not at all what happened, right. Everyone's going to assume that. But a, a director who has lots of experience directing television is going to feel very inclined after a certain amount of seconds, whatever feels right to them, to cut away.
1: Yeah, yeah. And we talked about that even a little bit with virtual shows too. You're controlling what the audience is seeing and how we were pondering about using any glitches in the camera or whatever as the method because that's Mm -hmm. what people will think happens, you know? It's like when the camera cuts away, anything could happen in that moment, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Which is sometimes too, if you're watching any of these like magic reality shows or whatnot that are out there, uh, pay attention to some of those edits because they do cover some stuff that you aren't supposed to see sometimes, depending on the show, sometimes to help the magician if they like flash or whatnot, where you're not right. supposed to know the method. Um, but uh, yeah, those are all all tools. They're not using – I mean, those shows are performed in front of a live audience, so you know that they're not using camera tricks as the method, but mm-hmm. it's it's important to still get – it's a different medium from a live show to what the audience is watching in their homes on television – uh, so you have to kind of adjust accordingly.
0: Yeah, and America's Got Talent is a great example of that. Uh, their director has lots of like actual magic experience, like in in terms mm-hmm. of directing magic mm-hmm. uh, for television. Um, but then there are lots of examples. I think um, even in um, my own special, where I think you know the the editing could have been done in a way that made sub made made the effects better.
1: Exactly right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So.
1: And I remember. Uh, maybe one of the first uses of, I don't even know if you remember, one of the first uses you used camera in a live show was, I think, at a NACA conference. Do you remember this one?
0: Um, Well, go on go on a little further. Because I think,
1: so at these NACA conferences for the College Association, usually it's just, you know, one iMag in the back, that one camera that's trying to play everything up. So that the whole crowd can see it, and there's usually two screens on the either side of the stage that you can watch in the back. But I think mm-hmm. you actually, for I think it was national, so it was a bigger one. I think they. Had I think two, I do
0: know what you're gonna say. Two
1: camera ones, but you actually had someone bring uh, the camera up on stage so that you could really zoom in for the close-up. I believe you're doing the uh, the egg. Yes. Yes. Yes.
0: <laughs> I, I I had him right at the foot of the stage, and I said, "All right, when I do this moment during the rehearsal, I'm gonna play it to this camera right here," mm-hmm. and um. Yeah. And that's a, a honestly a great little tip. If you have like a small moment that you want to play big and you have the opportunity to say, hey, when we get to this point, I'm going to play it right here. You make sure you hit your mark and they'll hit theirs, too.
1: Now, was that the same NACA where the screen fell down?
0: Not that, not that I remember. <laughs> okay, But I do remember that conference pretty clearly. It was in Nashville. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I think it might be. Yeah. Where the screen actually started to fall uh didn't hurt anyone everyone's who's
0: the guy was it was it the booty 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 rocking everywhere guy that was playing in that same showcase Uh, who is that
1: i don't even know what you were talking
0: about you know that song right booty 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 rocking everywhere you know that song no oh come on the listeners are cringing for two reasons one that you don't know it and one that i just sang it Um, I, I think he might have been one of the performers on that showcase. That's so funny. Uh, and then, how do you like your eggs, fried or fertilized? That oh, was I- the same.
1: I do remember that one. <laughs> I can't forget that.
0: that, song. <laughs> that might- And even though I just referenced something that most people aren't understanding, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> it's totally good. I don't even think we have to explain it.
1: <laughs> Speaking of NACA, I've got that showcase coming up this week, so uh, yep. that's, that's going to be one of my goals. We'll get into that later. Um, so I'm already kind of like getting back into NACA mode But I also finished reading this week um, Eric O'Shea's book, who is like a huge comedian in the college market. His book is literally called The Richest Comedian You've Never Heard Of. And he talks about being just a college comedian based comedian like just doing college gigs in the college market and it's so fascinating to hear his perspective and how he kind of really tackled it but he also tells in the book Matt uh, his story of his AGT experience which actually never aired so Mm -hmm. that's really fascinating. Uh, and there's also like this motivational kind of uh, element and some of that story telling and advice giving as well throughout the book. But it's interesting just to see another performer's perspective as they go and uh, and how they tackled it. And to also, what was nice about it for me was just, he, he knows like those big celebrity moments, those comedians who are hustling around New York, doing the clubs, getting onto TV shows. And he's had moments where that's happened and he's had amazing things, but he's also like, Showbiz is a fickle beast and things happen and they don't. And he's also the book is really the message behind it is like, it's okay to be where you are and just Mm -hmm. appreciate everything you have. So it's kind of a double meaning of that title of richest comedian, because it's Mm. not just in terms of money, but in terms of just appreciating the things you have. And he's actually like much happier that he can, you know. Be with his family, and mm-hmm. you know it's the little things that in life as well. So I think yeah. it's a it's a good read. I definitely recommend checking out Eric O'Shea's book. It's a it's a pretty pretty quick read as well. Uh, but he wrote it during the pandemic, and definitely check it out.
0: It's that it's that Derek Huff message from last week of like it's not the success that you gain or what you achieve, but the the who you become along the way, which kind of rings true with that. Be where you are.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, yeah. I haven't read this book. No. I definitely, although I haven't read it, just based on what you've said so far, I I actually am gonna recommend it. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, <laughs> yeah. but I'll tell you why. No mm. one knows that this college market exists. Yeah, like the just generally, like people, like mm-hmm. the general population, has no idea, um, like the amazing living you can make as a performer in that market. Right. And I think it's amazing that he's documented his experiences with it. Um we've sort of lived it. So we have perspectives on it, which is like, I think anyone who's done it and lived it probably could write a book from their perspective, which is amazing. So, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a whole underworld that is, uh, just fascinating. Um, and, yeah,
1: and it's changed a lot too. So I mean, mm-hmm. you got to keep adapting. But I think the the stronger message, rather than just like here, read this book to see how you could also join uh, join this market, because I think uh, you know, as a as a business sense, it doesn't make sense for me just to encourage competition in a field. <laughs> but I think oh, the, it's not easy. <laughs> it's, it's not it, easy.
0: Uh, no, no, it's not easy. And and more people than not. I mean, any, anyone who tries to get involved in it, it, it most often doesn't work out.
1: Yeah, it's tough. But I think the message tough. really is find you, the market that works for you, and uh-huh. it's okay to find and it can you can diversify. But also, like if you're sticking to just one thing and it's working, like don't like sometimes it's it, you got to take the risk to see where those opportunities are. But if you're if something's working, you know you can be happy just being you know the college comedian rather than the New York club hustler comedian, you know, or whatever. So I think it's a it's a really fascinating. Um, lesson to learn and it's also like he's making a good living like he's he's that name that we know in the college market it's kind of like mm-hmm. being a magic celebrity sometimes mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. we know certain names but no one out in the outside world knows them and it's right. like you can be a big fish in your small little quarantined pond um, of wherever you are so
0: absolutely um, but whether or not a performer or anyone whether you're a poet or a musician or whatever magician like is it has any intention of working colleges regard whether you are or you're not it's a great read because you can get the experience you can get a taste of what that experience without having to put in the grueling work mm-hmm. that's involved and it is absolutely grueling um but if you do have an intention of you know really diving in head first it definitely helps to get even though it's secondhand experience it's better than none
1: yeah absolutely so yeah did you watch the uh tony's last night no,
0: but yeah. I know that it was on. We were
1: recording it early. Uh, I, I mean, I'm just so excited that any show biz is back and like just to have all the performances. They kind of saved the big performances for the, uh, the the broadcast, like the televised broadcast, but the, like, they did a lot of awards like just on the streaming platform, which I found interesting, like just on Paramount+. Plus. So if you didn't have Paramount+, Plus, you didn't see like half the show. Oh wow! Yeah, and then they save like the big awards for the end, and then the big musical numbers. But man, just to see you know an audience filled with people with masks and like, I'm just really excited and what that means for future entertainment. And I'm excited to be going back out to Broadway and uh, and trying out uh, just like seeing shows again. I'm I'm pumped and just seeing cool. that spectacle. Uh, but uh, the other thing I did this week is uh, speaking of doing things in real life again. Uh, we uh consulted me and a couple of our friends on a uh, escape room because we you know we do a lot of escape rooms, but we consulted on a magic themed escape room and we got very to play cool. it for the first time once it was all finished. Yeah,
0: very cool. I know some people that have done that out here actually.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. We, uh, you know, this was bef- way before the pandemic. We w- went in, we, we had played all their other rooms. So like they knew us and they knew we were in like the magic world and mm-hmm. they just, uh, it's me, my friend, Patrick, and my friend, Harrison, we, uh, we just gave them some ideas of like things we thought would be cool or ways that they could be made into puzzles. And they took some of our ideas and it was a Houdini themed room. So you're kind of like uh, getting these, uh, you know, there's, a, there's magic props, there's like a hand chopper illusion, there's like mm-hmm. zigzags, all these classic illusions kind of referenced. Uh, mm-hmm. Not giving away methods, of course, but kind of using the magical principles to then solve a puzzle. And I think one of the, my favorite parts of it was the, you know, those giant Zoltar machines? Mm-hmm. That's a puzzle that you could actually go in and be Zoltar, and that's I why saw I saw the picture of you. Yeah, yeah. I, I posted that picture of me as Zoltar in the in, in on my social media, so you can check that out. But mm-hmm. it, it's locked first, so you have to figure out a way to get in there, and then once you're in there, something happens that helps you solve another puzzle. So uh, I right. definitely recommend it if you're in New York, check out Clue Chase uh, if you want to see a little of the handiwork. I mean, they all the credit goes for them for building that room and taking just some of the ideas we gave them, but um, they it was all them, really. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, the very credit. cool. Yeah. So uh yeah, I think uh speaking of uh solving things, <laughs> woo. yeah, look at that transition. It's time for Diddle Me This! Diddle me this, diddle me that will Eric end up stumping Matt Riddles? Okay, Matt, ready for your riddle? I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> okay, great. Uh There are five sisters in a room. Alice is reading a book. Sophia is cooking. Anne is playing chess. And Christina is doing laundry. So what is the fifth sister doing?
0: Got it. You got it already? I think so.
1: Okay, well, let's give people... I'll read it one more time just to give anyone listening along a chance if they need more time. There are five sisters in a room. Alice is reading a book. Sophia is cooking. Anne is playing chess. Christina is doing laundry. What is the fifth sister doing?
0: Matt? So I, ha- I have not heard this before. Okay. So you but just for some- came up pretty, with it
1: now. Yeah. I'm
0: pretty confident for whatever reason, my brain just went right to it. I don't know why. Yeah. Good. But it was like immediate, which doesn't always happen. So I feel good about this. Um, only one of those activities that you've mentioned mm-hmm. requires another person. Mm. So the fifth sister is? Playing chess.
1: There you go. I think your just brain is primed. I think uh, we had a similar riddle of just like like who was the murder suspect. So I think you were really analyzing those activities as we were doing it. So well done, Matt. Good job. Thank
0: you so much. Trivia time.
1: Matt picks up the question, then he stares at it. Eric's at the ready. Time to use his wit. Pressure. Pressure.
0: Pressure. Trivia. Pressure. Trivia. Shout out and credit to Mark Dittleman for both theme songs. Absolutely. What is the most common color of toilet paper in France? <laughs> uh common color
1: of toilet paper in France. Well, we know in America it's usually white. It's usually mm-hmm. white toilet paper. Huh. I feel like you're on a string of like kind of like dirty or bodily. <laughs> 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 um
0: no there, ideas off the bat it sounds no, like no it sounds ideas like you're is, drawing a blank you've never been to France.
1: I've never been to France.
0: Okay. No. Okay. I've been
1: no, that's that's not France. I've been close to Spain in Spain. <laughs> but that's nearby. Okay. I don't I just always thought toilet paper was white. But are there choices
0: and yeah, there can be choices.
1: I'll give my initial, like, this is what I would think. Mm-hmm. I would say, like, maybe maybe brown.
0: <laughs> okay. This is interesting, because I think, I, I'm not 100% sure on this, because I, I sourced this trivia question last week. Okay. But I believe while I was reading up on it, I think in America, we dye the paper white. What? I'm not 100% sure. But what, I think that we think- actually turn it white. And the main, like the regular standard color as it comes, is not white,
1: right? So that's what I'm thinking trees, paper, which like also
0: like, alludes to brown. But I'll tell you, the answer is not brown.
1: Okay, yeah. But now I'm thinking, like, is there like a yellowish uh, hue or orange? Like, what's the color of wood? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> or is there like a gray? I don't know. What? How? What's like the old papyrus? Like, what's the actual like, like unrefined byproduct right yeah want choices yeah give me choices this is just blue blue, pink red or green blue pink red or green blue pink red or green i'm gonna go green makes sense most with trees but i gotta go for some reason i'm leaning blue no (laughs) the answer is pink pink yeah i don't like any of this about anything about this
0: question. (laughs) I gotta see if I was correct on that. I gotta do a fact check to see if it's because they don't diet. That part Mm -hmm. I'm not 100% sure, so the question's disqualified if if I fed you wrong information there, but uh, the answer is pink nonetheless.
1: Okay, I'm vaguely recalling. I'm trying to picture what that is in my mind, but I'm also thinking France, they should have a roll that's blue, a roll that's white, and a roll that's red. There you go. <laughs> or, or is that too disrespectful to their flag?
0: <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, I think it might be disrespectful use of the, the flag colors. Absolutely. But I know you were coming from a good place when of you course. came up with the idea. Yes,
1: yes, indeed. I wasn't trying to be disrespectful at all. However, let's jump. Let's change. I'm just trying to desperately to get away from this <laughs> subject now. Uh, how about we jump into our mailbag? Please. The mail bag. I've got mail.
0: All right. Let's see here. Full full disclosure. Um. I. I took a look into the mailbag previous to jumping on. Okay. And, uh, well, I. I said, "Oh, should I read this one?" Mm-hmm. To you. We talked about mail before we started. Yeah. And w- you and I both. Have already were privy to one of the messages here that I think we want to talk about.
1: Yeah, let's go. Let's get into this one. Uh, it's uh, it's a little long, so we won't read the whole thing. But we got a very nice message from well, Alex.
0: Full disclosure, I think part of the reason we're not going to read the whole thing, right, is because yeah. it's so it's so nice and awesome, and I don't want it to sound like we're just like tooting our horn here. Yeah, we're not choosing it because <laughs> of that. <laughs> But it's so awesome, and I'm, like, so thankful to Alex for sending it to us. Because even just last week, I had asked you, like, hey, have you gotten a lot of feedback from people? Not, not even referring to mail, but just in general. You know, people mm-hmm. who listen and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, are people digging what we're doing? And so it really does, it's a confidence boost for us to know that uh, this has been enjoyable for some people. And, and Alex in particular mentioned on his long commute it's been helpful. So, so awesome. Thank you. Yeah, oh, absolutely,
1: ahead. absolutely, and it was yeah, it was nice to have that little uh, l- message. And again, we don't want to read it because it's just a long thing. It'll just sound like us, like yeah, bringing up our own accolades. But right. uh, basically, Alex writes to us and he says he's been listening. He just started listening not too long ago, at the beginning of the summer this year, and caught up on all of our uh, episodes. So, which is uh, amazing. Um, thank- I can't believe people do that. They go back. That's and listen a year to
0: the, of episodes that he went back. Yeah, the back catalog. On, so thank you.
1: Thank you for that. Uh, he watches us on AGT. He's excited to see our shows. Uh, you in Vegas, me in person or virtually. Um, what else did you want to highlight for this, Matt?
0: Well, I I, I love that Alex pointed out a couple of weird coincidences that mm-hmm. pertain to him as well as us. He he mentioned growing up in Massachusetts close to, you know, Natick, which you've referenced in the podcast, of course, you grew up in Massachusetts. Uh, Here's a fun one. I know he says he went to Alex, I know you went to Framingham State, because the reason you brought that up was to talk about uh, that you were an orientation leader there, which we share that uh, brotherhood, if you will. Um, To be an orientation leader, by the way, you got to kind of be cream of the crop. URI, they get hundreds of applications and, you know, for a mere 20 positions, I'm sure Framingham is the same thing. You need to really be um, a leader and uh, uh, I guess for the lack of a better phrase, sort of poster child for your college to get people excited about coming there. So congratulations on landing that role when you did. But what you don't know is Eric and I, maybe you don't know, have both performed at Framingham State. Right.
1: Yeah. We've performed at Framingham State. And then you also mentioned he's at uh, Merrimack College. and We've both done that college as well. (laughs)
0: Isn't that crazy? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You had referenced. Uh, oh, but the reason he mentioned going to Merrimack was because of improv, because he joined their improv team, which obviously relates back to you again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, wow, I wonder if he realizes we we both performed at Merrimack.
1: Yeah, it's great. It's really fun. Uh, and then he's only dabble, dabbles in magic, and uh, you know, he was in your remix, your magic <laughs> remix.
0: Yeah, I guess he. I, I had done a. I, I would love to know which one this was, because I would. I'd like to uh put a face to the name here um well i i i assumed alex well i don't know if alex is male or female do you
1: oh i'm not sure no N-
0: not 100 percent sure now that i think about it um but anyway yeah remix is a function on on instagram and uh kind of like a duet that i i suppose you made there but i think it's interesting too that you dabble in magic um but don't consider yourself necessarily a magician just know a few tricks um because I, I i love knowing more about you all. I love knowing who's listening to this. It just, I feel like it helps uh, with the, the connectivity of the whole thing. So like the fact that I, I don't know if people listening are magicians or performers or not at all. I, it's, it, so the more information we do find out, I, I love and I, I right. find it to be um, make the whole thing more uh, of a community.
1: Yeah, he goes on and says, I find both of your magical skills astounding, and what makes you stand out to me is your style. You both have very similar yet distinct showmanship that I cannot get enough of. You know how to be funny, enticing, suspenseful, and best of all, you know how to make your work unique. Uh, hearing all about both of your journeys and perspectives through the insane, seemingly ever-evolving COVID-19 pandemic is so incredible and makes me respect both of you so much, more than I already did before discovering this podcast. Wow, what a nice thing to say, Alex. That is uh, that is fantastic. Um uh wow good ego boost for the two of us
0: (laughs) no it really is and and my favorite part of the whole thing is like you know we read this one before coming on the air and decided we weren't going to read it because we didn't want to toot our horns and then we just picked out all of the amazing things he said and read them (laughs) exactly Exactly. (laughs) jokes aside thank you alex Uh, we really really appreciate your feedback and are so happy that you have found this to be to to get value out of this this is great because we love doing it so we're happy you're enjoying
1: I I also uh, would we'd be remiss to not point out his little P.S. If you do read this and mention it on the podcast, I will send you both a super secret prize. I hope you're intrigued. What?
0: <laughs> I'm very much intrigued. I'm very intrigued. I'm very intrigued.
1: Uh, well, thanks so much. There wasn't any like real question or anything for us to answer. Uh, but uh, but thanks. Yeah, thank you for writing in. It does mean a lot to us. And uh, if you want to write into us as well, uh, you know, ask us anything. What are, you, what are you interested in? Tell us about yourself, who you are as listeners. If you have any fun stories or jokes or riddles for us, you can send those in. Or just want to know about something about magic or performing or life in Vegas or New York, let us know. Uh, you can write to us at mindovermagicpodcast at gmail.com.
0: Yeah. Great pitch.
1: Thank you. Thank
0: you. <laughs> now, Matt, Thank we you, did Alex. tease
1: something. In our last episode, uh, we were talking about my show at University of Delaware, and uh-huh. uh, during the show, one of my props broke. I was still able to finish the show, uh, but I just, as it was happening, thinking to myself, "Oh, I'm gonna have to remake this, aren't I?" Uh, right, this is right. during my finale. I have little name badges that people wear, and uh, it just ripped in half, and mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. so. I want to know about uh, your experience with maintaining props in your show, because for me, luckily, it's a lot of paper products. So it's just basically arts and crafts of me, like folding paper and and gluing things and just kind of writing with Sharpie marker. But um, Mm -hmm. for more elaborate props, like the ones you have in your show, in terms of like a bigger illusions that you do or just even other magical things. uh, What's your approach to prop maintenance?
0: I have an amazing magic team. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I and I say that not even just as a joke, but like as a as a uh, as an expression of gratitude. You know, shout out Vinny Giordano. Um mm. like that m- makes sure things are in order every single show, every single day that things are looking the way they're supposed to look, feeling the way they're supposed to feel. But at the same time, I'm the one that needs to Uh, handle that prop in front of audiences and make sure every, so I have to keep an eye on things uh, pre-show and even during a show to let them know, Hey, uh, we need to replace this bill or we need to uh, buff this out or this corner is a little rough on this uh, box and this might cut through that. So like, it's not just a hands-off approach of like, Oh yeah, they'll handle it. It's like, I still need to be very vigilant and let them know because because they're not the ones handling it on stage necessarily. Right. So (laughs) I still need to let them know, Hey, this is becoming a little too creased or this is about to rip or, um, and and thankfully I have an amazing team that, that sort of, um, keeps up on all of that stuff. Um, aside from that, there are a couple things that are interesting. Mm. Um, I have to travel and do a, a thing this week. Where, where I won't have anybody with me. So, you know, I'm very accustomed to being in charge of it 100% myself as well. There are certain things I think we do. Maybe it's polishing a, a stand, right, that you're going to use in your show or stu- whatever it is. Maybe it's something shiny that needs to be polished. Otherwise, it'll have fingerprints all over it. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where the audience will never know that you took the extra time to do it.
1: Right, 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 but right.
0: But right. they'll, they'll notice it or feel it if you don't.
1: Sure. Yeah, it's one. And of those. I think that's
0: one of the most yeah interesting parts about prop mm-hmm. maintenance.
1: It's that preemptive element of it too, because it's like we talk about this all the time. Is subconsciously you'll be aware that something is off without being able to pinpoint exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. If something is wrong, uh, and yes. that's we talk about that with magic methods and so many. It applies to so many things in showbiz. But if you're able to preemptively avoid that so that it's not even an inkling that gets into that subconscious mind, then you're golden and they can just enjoy what they're supposed to be enjoying and focusing on. And that just raises that experience to that next level.
0: Yeah, it does. And, you know, this has a lot to do with uh, setting up and breaking down. You have Mm -hmm. a very specific system of like what happens after a show, how everything is packed up so that it's sort of ready to be reset for the next one. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's that's the, the other thing, too. So now we have a very streamlined system in Vegas where like during one show, certain things are already being packed to reset for the next one. While right. I'm on stage still. Wow. Right? Yeah. Again, because we have an awesome team working and making sure everything's in order. But I, mean, I think that's a big part of it too. That's why we have magic techs backstage that have a magic background. Because mm-hmm. there are very specific, detailed things that um, are very important that might not seem important to a person that doesn't have that experience. Like, oh, no, this, this, coin needs to be angled this way and this piece of tape needs to be on just a half inch if you go three quarters of an inch it's not going to work
1: right yeah yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> and that's really hard details for someone to grasp but it doesn't have a magic background it can be taught but it's i think it's very important um if you are handing the keys to someone else at any point to be able to handle props backstage for you i think it's very helpful almost essential if not essential to have someone that uh, has that magic background
1: yeah that it's so funny you say that especially with the packing up because after a show whether it be a corporate show or a college show inevitably whoever's running the event comes up to me goes can i can i help you with anything as you're packing up right i always have to say no i got it like be very thankful that they're offering and but not to be rude to be like no i i gotta do it my way because everything goes back in a very specific way so that one i know i have it in a for the next show but also like you know so that things don't break or crease or whatever uh so that I could just be like I've got it, my system and I I have to go through it like almost like a mental checklist of me setting up the show just to like how I'm breaking down the show so that everything goes to where it is and I'm not losing anything and then I can just Zip up my bag, bring it back to the hotel room, reset anything I need to reset for the next show, and then it's all good to go for when I travel the next day. So it's kind of having that system and keeping that perpetual motion going every time.
0: Yeah, and I just realized something too. Like, as much as sometimes we don't look forward to the setup or the breakdown, it's kind of the part that's like, oh, do I really feel like doing this? It's not not (laughs) why we got into what we do. But at the same time, there is something a little bit therapeutic about it, isn't it? There
1: is a ritual to it, like uh, just knowing that you're going through those uh, like more like the tedious stuff that you have to do. uh, But it also puts you in this mind frame of like, all right, I'm I'm going to be prepared. I'm going to be ready. I don't have to worry about anything not being where it needs to be. uh, And then I can just go and focus on the show part itself. It's Mm -hmm. also one of the reasons like um, I'm a very crafty person and that's why, you know, mentalism, especially appealed to me too because it's a lot of uh, just like I said, paper products, like my magic store is basically staples or or whatever office supply store you want. Mm -hmm. And it's, I find that process of prepping my shows beforehand of creating what I need to do in terms of, you know, like, even recently for COVID, I had to change the lickable el- envelopes because that's such a big no no to make right. like my own self sealable with uh, double stick tape and like little plastic, uh, you know, like almost those self sealable uh, envelope strips, cutting them down to the sizes of the envelopes I need. I find all that stuff therapeutic and like just I put on a TV show and I just kind of focus and watch the show and focus on what I need to do. Um, but I, I like that element. Why
0: did it rip, by the way? Did, was it because of a lack of maintenance or anything, or was it just time? Like it you should have replaced time. it sooner.
1: No, it was just uh, it's it's a folding thing, so it's it's mm-hmm. hiding something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but throughout many performances of them opening it up to show the reveal, yeah, it just that crease ended up being come weaker and weaker, and it depends on the person on how uh, zealous they are and. Do you think you should that. have
0: known or could this happen again? Is it preventable?
1: I knew that uh, it was getting close to the time to replace yeah, them because okay. especially as things get faded over time as well, I was like, I'm going to have to redo this. But sometimes you're in that position where you're on tour and you're just like exhausted like I'm not going to get to that yet we'll see how Mm -hmm. long this lasts (laughs) Mm -hmm. but trying never get to the point where like something it it didn't take away from the show and if it was something that was going to be crucial and like really show a lack of professionalism if something broke you know right right I would have addressed this sooner but it was like oh this is just it's it's not even supposed to be even thought of as part of this final reveal right so I was I was okay with it going but I knew I was going to eventually have to replace that and that was just a perfect excuse for me to go and replace all of them now so it's not gonna happen next time
0: yeah because we have new things in the show there are a few different things that I come in and check even after we've done over a hundred performances now of this newer version there are still a couple of things things presets that I come in and check because none of us are really aware of what are the signs exactly when this is needs to be redone Mm -hmm. and replaced we don't Mm -hmm. necessarily know Mm -hmm. those answers yet Um, well, apparently, you know, it can go more than a hundred performances without being replaced, (laughs) but, but I check it every show because I'm just not sure where that breaking point is. Right. Um, another thing we've done in terms of prop maintenance kind of goes hand in hand with that is, um, during our recent dark week, we had all of our lights re, um, there's a name for it. Relamped.
1: Relamped.
0: Oh, so all the bulbs in every light that we use during the show, meaning like theatrical lighting were replaced. That's so when not I showed up ba-
1: at all <laughs> No,
0: no. But obviously we have an amazing house crew at the right. at the link that that does that maintenance. Um but what's not easy is that when I show back up now to perform the lights are all brighter. So <laughs> if you're using lighting techniques in your magic that might involve black art or anything like that, those things need to be re-looked at oh wow <laughs> yeah <laughs> because what was hidden once hidden may now be revealed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and <laughs> so. there's
1: also this element too uh depending on what the the prop is like the more you work it or the more you're actually performing it, like the easier it is to like operate or like there's give to it or whatever you need. And like when you replace it, it's like, Oh, this is a little stiffer than I used to. And you have to kind of get wear that back in again to the, that nice sweet spot where you, where you like it or getting used to it. So I, I found
0: that happen every once in a while too. It's true not to preemptively jump into goals, but one of my goals that we talked about was I was working on some new routines for a talk show. And one of those things one of those things that I'm using sort of requires a little bit of breaking in, and mm-hmm. I, but I wanted to remake the prop, right, so that yeah, it was right. uh, fresh for for. But now it also you know needs to be broken in like a baseball glove, so it requires some use.
1: Yeah, <laughs> well, I think that's a good segue of goals uh, as well. Uh, but uh, but yeah, feel free if you have any questions about prop maintenance, we'll chat about that some more. I think it's fascinating. I don't think I think this is the premiere podcast for talking about prop maintenance now it's the only one i don't think anyone else is talking about it
0: do you don't do any regular prop maintenance do you like is there any regular prop maintenance you're doing
1: well, not too much because I'm making stuff for every show anyway. So it's because a lot of disposable. Yeah, it's a lot of one use, like drawing question marks on an envelope or something like that. And as soon as it's done, I just throw it away, which is funny. At the end of my show, it's like sometimes they're just like paper products all over because I'm tossing it there. And, and I'm like, oh, I'll just as I'm cleaning up, that's going to be the trash pile. You can take all that, recycle it, <laughs> you know, whatever you want to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so there's very few things
0: that I need to like constantly check on uh, throughout the show. It's an easy thing to lose track of, and I think magicians do sometimes, and I'll tell you why. Because a lot of times our props are either disposable, Mm -hmm. one-time use or something, or they do last a really long time. So it's easy to sort of lose track of like, oh yeah, that has a paint chip in it now, and that Mm -hmm. should be touched up, or whatever it is. Um, Honestly, I mean, on a grander scale, uh, we have to make determinations of when we're going to repaint the stage.
1: Right, right. Right, because
0: of repeated use and you want it to look fresh again. So anyway, there's what a, a great topic. There's
1: yeah. another element too I just remembered as well. If you have anything like, say, the remote that I'm controlling my music with, you got to think about battery life. Battery life. Nobody's talking <laughs> about battery life. I mean, I always think about it, too, because when, whenever I get to a venue and I got a wireless handheld mic that I use, I'm always looking at that battery level to see if they just put in fresh batteries or not, because you want it to last the show and just not die on you. Because I've, we've been in that situation. I've been in that situation where, you know, I didn't think to check. And then mid-show, the mic goes out. You learn that lesson once. And now you never forget it. And you're like, all right, I'm always going to check the battery of the microphone. I'm going to check the battery of my remotes so that I can control my music and everything like that. uh, Just so that everything's working the way it should.
0: Put fresh batteries in your rider and always bring your own too.
1: Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Let's jump into goals, Matt. A goal last time for you was to get a trivia book and work on your talk show magic routines. And don't Get lost in the moves. Focus on your personality coming through. That was so the, get, like a more substantial one you wanted to add in at the end.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, get this man, get this. So I worked on, finally it came to me. I was working on a routine. I came up with a cool ending and I was like, all right, here we go. I had half of it. Then I had a, I had to work on a couple segments. I was like, all right, I got this one. Now I'm worried about the second one. Got the second one done. And I thought, you know, it'd be really cool if I could do this on stage. And then finally, I worked on a routine that I was comfortable. I was like, if I'm nervous to throw this in my own show, what in my right mind thinks that I should be doing it for television, right? So I I got it to a point where I was happy with it to actually perform it in my show. Oh, that's great. So I've done it three times Mm. so far, uh, and it happens to be something that we do on a handheld. So I have the footage close up that I can review. The first time I did it, it went okay, but it wasn't what I was hoping for. I made a change. And I was like, okay, that went a little better last night. I made another change. And then tonight I'll have one more shot at it to, uh, hone it, hone it, hone it in. It. Yeah. Yeah. Hone it in. And, uh, even just four performances, I would have preferred 20 or 25. Right. Um, but four performances, I think it's made a huge difference in what this is going to, how this is actually going to come across. So I'm uh, really feeling good about that goal and how it, how it went that I was actually able to get flight time with it in front of real audiences. Um, yeah, And even, so and even though you
1: wanted more time with it, four times is still better than zero times, right?
0: Yeah, and honestly, could I have done it without any goes in front of a real audience? Yeah, I could have done it, and it would have gone okay. But I've learned so much, even in just those three performances so far. I hope I learn some more tonight, and uh, I'm feeling ready and excited about it. So, yeah.
1: Are you allowed to tease what this is for, or what the effect is
0: at all? I don't think I'm allowed. I don't think okay. I'm allowed to tease all right. what it's for yet. Um, I'm sure we'll but, announce
1: it when it comes out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be for, it'll be not for a bit, but yeah.
1: Yeah, and what is the? Can we tease what the effect is, or what it involves?
0: Um, no, not yet. Okay,
1: <laughs> not yet. <laughs> I'm trying to help out our listeners, Matt. I'm trying to give them the inside scoops. Oh, I'll
0: give a clue. Okay. I I, I tested it out during my show during the Casino Night segment.
1: Oh, all right. Well, when we know it's something close up.
0: so There fine. you go. Very
1: nice. Well, my goal was to try some more open mics and then prep for my showcase. So uh, we're recording early, so I'm still prepping for that showcase that's going to happen. But by the time this airs, I will have completed that showcase. So uh, we'll hear all about that uh, next time as well. Uh, and I did some open mics. I did some more, just popping up and doing some jokes I've been writing. Uh Boy, oh boy, it's 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 interesting performing for other
0: comedians. <laughs> I'm a little upset. I'm a little upset because this is the one thing I wanted to know about today. I I like almost asked you about it by accident before we started recording. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, uh-huh. we gotta wait till we're recording, you know? We, but um, let's get
1: into it. We can get into okay, it. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Tell me. Uh, I I'm so intrigued and first of all impressed that you're doing these open mics because I know it's so hard. I mean. Yeah. I had a hard time just breaking out this new bit now that I'm sort of in the swing of things with the show, just breaking out this new thing that I'd never done for an audience before. I was nervous about it. So I can only imagine going out there without any props at all. And your audience is kind of weird because it's other people that are waiting to go up and perform. Yeah, exactly. Tell me some horror stories. Tell me something. Uh, and, or- and successes.
1: Well, uh, let's start with the horror stories because there's very few successes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But that's great. Fail forward fast, man. The more failures, the better. I think
1: that's kind of what I'm using these mics for is to be comfortable, like, just eating it on stage like just just like going up with no response and being like there's a level of confidence where you know i mean i always think of the steve martin thing where he's like i know this is funny the audience just doesn't get it and they're not there yet you know that's a Mm paraphrase quote that's not the Mm -hmm. exact quote Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. the sentiment is there is like i know a lot of these jokes i'm writing are funny i've told them to people in passing they're laughing at them or or they're just being polite Mm -hmm. Uh, but but i think they're actually funny so i have to go up and just trust and um see why it's again it's all about the environment it's comics that are kind of waiting for their own turn to get up there as well so they're not like a lay audience per se just going there but there is a different expectation of doing jokes during my normal show when there's you know, the mentalism to rely on and fall back on if a joke doesn't hit, I know I'm going to get that moment of amazement of, uh, compared to going in and just expecting comedy, because when you're going just expecting comedy only it's, you know, they're, they're waiting for you to get those punchlines every so often. And, and that's what they're there to see. So going up there and trusting, my material but also practicing i'm using it as a practice to get the exact wording down even if there are no actual laughs that are coming out all the time mm-hmm. but also just yeah the practice of delivery delivering it and i think that's where i'm working on is just what that persona is is it it is it a different persona to mm-hmm. just do straight stand-up than it is to do my mentalism with comedy show mm-hmm. um you know when i'm just telling jokes myself so uh there's a few that really worked in the room the comics tend to like the dirtier stuff, which is kind of anti-type to my That's character. That's what you've
0: resorted to? That's what we've resorted to? <laughs> no, it's just there's <laughs> a
1: few innuendos that are a little... Some I don't think I'd ever do, and especially not at a family weekend. Right. <laughs> but, but, uh, but, you know, it's, it's having those shades and finding where your voice is comedically as well um but i don't uh,
0: blame it when you're up there and everyone's staring at you you're gonna say whatever you need to say to get the laugh i'm pretty sure yeah exactly short of short of you know stealing material you're gonna say whatever you need to say exactly (laughs) exactly and then just the more you do
1: it the more comfortable you'll, you'll be on but at a certain point i think um some of the newer stuff i'm gonna just try and Try out in a in the middle of a show, almost talking about like the the, the tent pulling with the hammock. So you have two oh, right. two bits you know that are gonna work, and then maybe I'll try a joke in the middle there. And if it doesn't work, that's okay because I could just go to a uh, you know something that's more reliable.
0: Yeah, you and, just need some tent poles now.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, no, I mean like actually putting it into my mentalism show because that's oh, the oh, whole goal. Wise.
0: Right, right. Yeah, but so you got to keep doing some more open mics, right? Oh, I'm definitely gonna do okay. that,
1: but i'll tell you what this is the this is the takeaway that i had from it is uh after doing a couple of these and then the jokes that are weren't landing really affects your self-confidence and your self-esteem and you're like why am i doing this right but it's even though you understand that it's, it's comics and open mics are like this this is what happens right but i'll tell you what the difference then to then do my show at oh you're Lola, the rock star man did that feel so much better Right. And I like, I felt more confident in the jokes that I knew that worked and those were playing even more and I was yes. like all right so it's like it's kind of like a baseball player who's swinging with the donut on in the in the on deck circle right they're getting used to the the harder situation and then when they go up to bat they could really knock it out of the park
0: and oh, that's what I feel like. Good, this yes.
1: this open mic was like that for me. So maybe I'll just do them before I have big gigs, and I'll be like, "Oh, that really sucked. It can't be worse than that." And then knock it out of the park for the for the good show that I need to. So
0: yeah, it's a workout. It's like uh, you know, I've heard I, I don't generally do this, but some people do practice certain card moves with two decks, and then mm. that way when they have one deck in their hand, it just feels like butter, like nothing.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's same good type tip. of thing. Mm-hmm. That's a good. Yeah, tip. for
0: like working on the pass, if you practice it with two decks um mine's not good even with one deck so i don't do it but uh i don't do it i don't do it with two decks i should say or i generally don't use it uh in general but um
1: yeah i i also think there's this element too because i when i first started going out and just trying my show stuff i was going to a lot of open mics because that's where the only stage time i could get Mm -hmm. and i think it's nice to be back in that kind of mental frame uh work of your mind just to to have that feeling of being a beginner again at something and to like kind of appreciate how far you've come along the way and to continue learning and growing as a performer I think that it's nice to be back in that uh state of mind
0: you ever look back at something you created that you're really proud of and then like whatever you're trying to get in that creative mode to create something new you wonder how to get back to that same place you were in that mindset that that eagerness that hunger you ever think about that that
1: flow yeah or just like always be hustling you know Mm -hmm, (laughs) that mm -hmm. that mentality so it's nice to kind of you know humble yourself a bit and remember where you started from and then to try and see where to build that back up from
0: amazing insight man amazing episode amazing uh stories from the road and the open mics so my goal
1: for next week yeah (laughs) um is uh Oh, I got a virtual show coming up, so I'm going to re-look at all my software and everything like that. Speaking of prop maintenance, the software element for virtual shows is definitely one of those, especially with all these new Apple updates and everything that's happening. So I'm just going to work on uh, virtual shows. And did you have a goal for next time to did you, did you say it? Mm, I'm
0: going to get a trivia book. <laughs> <laughs> See that? I did one week of real goals, and I went right back to my trivial trivia book goal. I'm gonna also
1: add since I finished the uh, Eric O'Shea book, uh, I'm gonna add uh, I gotta look back at some more mentalism books. There's just a stack, so I'll, I'll crack that stack of mentalism books as well. So, uh, yeah, man, this was fun. This was a uh, uh, good to catch up. We got a long, uh, long catch up uh, between episodes. So, uh, well, next episode will also be jam packed. But mm-hmm. uh, this was a lot of fun. Thank you all for listening. Uh, definitely check us out on the social media at MindMagicPod. Magic uh, Pod, Matt. Tickets to your show, still available?
0: Uh, MattFranco.com, Ticketmaster.com. We're at the link. Uh, d- dates are on sale from now through the end of the year. More to come very soon. Expect an announcement in the, the coming Ooh. weeks. Hope to see you there.
1: And uh, it's never too early to start thinking. Of, this is usually the time uh, holiday season's coming up, which is a big time for you know private events, corporate events, that kind of thing. So if you are interested uh, you know to see me perform for you or your company or whatever, visit EricDittleman.com. We'll see what we can do. Uh, but this is fun. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you.